Back to the Mishnah on the bottom of Samach Aleph Amid Bey, 61b. Fascinating new sugir. Lo yevato adam epiravivya. A person should not stop trying to being fruitful and multiply. Ella, or he's not allowed to. The halacha requires him to try to have uh, more family. Unless he already has kids. So what's the minimum? Um, we're going to see in the Gemara that uh, the question is really that there's person should always try to be married. The question is whether they have to marry a woman who's capable of having more children. But how many children do they have to have to, uh, uh, that they're obligated to have to do the mitzvah? Beis Shami says, Shnei Zacharim, at least two boys. Well, Beis Hillel said, Zacharim Nekeva, one male and one female, Shnemer Zacharim Nekeva Barim. As it actually quotes his source from the, the way Hashem created male and female. The Morris says, do you mean to say, just because you have kids, how yesh lobanim, it may be true that he doesn't need to have more children, but me'isha lobato. But uh, from the mitzvah to have a wife, that he isn't exempt. This is a proof to Reb Nachman. We're on the bottom of 61b, like six lines up. Even if a person has already done the mitzvah of being fruitful and multiplied, a person is forbidden to uh, stay. It's an interesting word, la'amod, like to just like to stay there, to be stuck without a wife. Because it's not good to be alone. Some people quote this a little differently. Really, this view says that no, once he's had kids, he doesn't need to try to have more children and he doesn't need to have a wife anymore. Is, would this prove the, against the opinion that said that you're required to have a wife? So the Lord said, lo. Ain't lo banim no se'isha, but what, what maybe it's saying is this. If he has no kids, ain't lo banim no se'isha bas banim, then he should marry a woman who's capable of having children. Yesh lo banim, if he already has children, then he should, he's, he could marry a woman to love bas banim who's unable to have more children. Nafkamina, what's the difference um, between a woman who has kids and doesn't have kids, limkur sefer Torah bishvil banim. The against the assumption is that you have to sweeten the deal if you want to get a younger woman or a woman who's uh, those women that, that can't have children, uh, they can't be as picky. Whereas somebody who has children, so the rule is a person's allowed to sell a sefer Torah. You're not supposed to sell a sefer Torah, but it's, or, he's allowed to sell a sefer Torah if he needs the money to branch the difference between a wife uh, that could have kids and one that uh, couldn't have kids. Is it somebody who's already had kids already? No, somebody who hasn't. Oh, Rashi, yeah. Rashi, Limkur Sefer Torah, Kadei Lisa Bas Banim, to marry a woman who's capable of having children. Yesh lo Banim, and uh, that was your question. If he has kids, lo Yimkur, he's not allowed to sell it. Ela Yisa Kara Zikna, he can marry a barren woman or an old woman. <laughs> right? Either whatever, you know, but he, that, still that way he won't be alone at least. Right, right. So we're going to see that this is the mitzvah of having a family is really the, uh, you don't get greater than that. Um, there is a tosis here. Let's look at it. Um, well, no, let's go right to it. My time in the Beishamai, two lines from the bottom. So Beishamai said the mitzvah of being fruitful multiplies with two boys. Where'd they get that from? 
The answer is Yalfinim and Moshe. They learned from Moshe Rabbeinu. Bnei Moshe Gershon Veliezer. Moshe Rabbeinu had two sons, and then he separated from his wife. So you see from here that the basic mitzvah, Moshe Rabbeinu was the source of all the Torah. If it was good enough for Moshe Rabbeinu, then it should be good enough for us. So, um, and Vez uh, Hillel, uh, where did they learn out? Yalfinu Abriyasushoam, they learned from the creation of the world, which was man, uh, man and woman as man was created. So that's a good question. Why don't we start from the beginning? That's a good place. Why don't they learn from in the beginning? The answer is, ain't done an apshir, mishi'i apshir. You can't have a world, if you didn't have a male and female, you wouldn't have any other generations. So you had to have the first, uh, the first children had to be male and female, otherwise you wouldn't be able to have other generations. But according to Beishamai, there should have been two sons and a girl. Well, um, We'll see, uh, but uh, we're just saying the fact that they had to have a girl doesn't prove that you have to have a girl. They had to have a girl because otherwise there wouldn't have been the ability for mankind to reproduce itself. But once there's plenty of women around, uh, maybe you don't have to produce them. Uh, Rashi, top Rashi on today's page, 62. The If there wouldn't have been Chava created, there wouldn't be another female. Avol uh, as long as you, 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 you produce boys, there, there are plenty of girls for them in the world. You don't need to produce a girl. You don't need to produce one of each kind. Right, so there's no shidduch crisis in Beishamah's time. Right, that's right. Uh, why two boys, not two girls? Uh, so that we'll get to. But the question was, but he felt you can't learn, Beishamah has a point. You could argue that you have to produce one of each type of person. Uh, boy and a girl. That's just like Hashem did, but he's saying that there wasn't any other possibility there. That's why you can't learn from there. And Beis Hillel, Beis Hame has a good point. If it was good enough for Moshe Rabbeinu, usually Moshe did things from Hashem. We have a tradition that there were certain things that Moshe did on his own, meaning that it's not a direct halacha, even though we could learn from what Moshe did on his own, but Hashem didn't tell him that. So the fact that Moshe stopped after two boys, that he did on his own, and that was specific to him, not to other people. Where's the story? Detanya. Three things Moshe did on his own. And Hashem agreed with him. What were the three things? Now, we have, there's a few things with a king later on that uh, he did things on his own. Some things Hashem agreed with, some things that Hashem didn't. You know, that when you... You take a risk when you do something on your own. But on the three things that Moshe did, Hashem agreed with him. So what were the three things? Number one, Pirishman Isha separated from a wife. So that was a good thing. That was a good thing. Well, Hashem agreed with him, but it's not that Hashem commanded him. You're right, but if it would have been wrong, Hashem would have said, get back to your wife. But it, we're saying, though, that was specific to his, his situation. Right. Last one. He did that because he speaks to the Shekhinah, but uh, this, no one else has that same situation. That was, Midaita means almost his situation that Hashem agreed to. And he smashed the tablets to smithereens. And he added a day to the giving of the Torah, when the Torah would be given. So let's see. Why did he think you could? In other words, uh, even though he had his own opinion, he still needed to see from Torah that it was okay. 
So Omer Ma Yisrael Shlodimer Ma Mshchina Elafisha. Klal Yisrael, well, Hashem only spoke to them at one time, at the giving of the Torah. Not everybody gets Hashem to speak to them. But at Har Sinai, Hashem did speak to us. And by the way, it's coming soon. In other words, there's the idea that Shavuos, that's the anniversary of Hashem speaking to us. And so, and we believe that it's, um, we don't just commemorate something, we, re, we relive it. So it's, uh, it's something to look forward to, <laughs> right? That it, uh, hopefully, but anyway, the, the Shekhinah only spoke to us at a certain time, and the Torah said, I'll, I'll meet with you then. And Omer Torah, I'll teach Shal Isha. And it said, in order to be pure, don't be with your wife. So it said that when you, if you, in order to be ready for the Shekhinah, you need to be pure. Ani, me, Moshe Rabbeinu, Shem Yuchad Ladav, V'kol Shav speaks to me all the time. Certainly, V'lo Kavalizman, I don't even know when it will be. Alachas Kam V'kama, certainly I need to separate from my wife in order that I be ready to hear when Hashem wants to command you. And how do we know Hashem agreed with him? Everyone else go back, you stay here, you're not going home. So we see that Hashem agreed with him. He smashed the, uh, the tablets. My Dorish, my Mitzvah. The Mitzvah of Korban Pesach is only one of 613 Mitzvahs. And the Torah says, Kol Ben Anybody that acts like a non-Jew is not allowed to eat from it. Meaning that if a person is um, a person that is not um, uh, keeping the Torah, a person that doesn't have a bris, or a person that's a son of a stranger, uh, is not um, cannot partake of Korban Pesach. So HaTorah Kula, now I have the whole Torah of Israel movement, and the whole Jewish people is uh, worshiping the golden calf. So certainly they can't partake of the Torah. Uh, and Hashem agreed. What does it mean that you broke? He got a shkayach for breaking the Torah. And what does it mean? He added one day, my Dorish, because it said, He says, sanctify yourself today and tomorrow. But it said, Today is like tomorrow, and tomorrow is 24 hours. My machalali mot was a day and a night. Afayom, also today, should be a day and a night. And this was already after the night. So Hashem was telling him, you need two more full days, three days total. Two more days besides today will be the giving of the Torah. So And Hashem agreed with him. So uh, let's see Tosus here. Tosus has a question. Um, what do we mean this was Moshe Rabbeinu's own idea, uh, these three things? Moshe Rabbeinu brought Kavachomers from the Torah. That's, those are the uh, ways of interpreting Torah. That's not Moshe Rabbeinu's own thought. Um, so why is the Gemara saying Moshe did this on his own? He, he learned it on his own, but it was, came from the Torah. That's not called on your own. So let's see Tosus. What do you mean? He did it on his own. He learned it from the Torah. He says it's really not such a complete Kavachomer. Just because the Jewish people at one time in history were told not to try to uh, be fruitful and multiply so that you'll be pure for the receiving of the Torah, does that mean that a husband should never be with a wife? 
for Uvu, he should never try to do that mitzvah again? That's, that's a flimsy kavuchomer. Inami, dafka, azyamer, levata, mishuma, seres, edibros. What do you mean? He says maybe, maybe then it was the, the, the giving of the seres, edibros was something special. Um, let's see the, the, the fourth tosos, then we'll take questions. The fourth on the page, so this was how he broke the tablet. So there also was a kavuchomer. So again, tosos, lishi tosos says, nah, this isn't a real Kavachomer, the Shani Pesach. He says, Pesach is different from Pesach is a concept of eating from Hashem's table, eating Kachim. He said the opposite. Maybe you should give them the Torah in order that they learn not to worship the golden calf. Well, that's your Mechuva, and they get to do Chuva. So, um, what's it a Kavachomer on, though? Breaking the Luchos. He felt that if you can't, Korban Pesach, you can't do the mitzvah of Pesach if a person is over the Vodazara. Certainly, you can't do the mitzvah of receiving the tablets. And he's saying, well, it's a little different. In fact, the opposite. You could say getting the tablets would be good for them to, uh, uh, to stop doing a Vodazara, whereas... The tablets for me in the morning. That's right, yeah. Uh, and then the third tosis over here, a Torah Kuli movement. Um, I'm sorry, Afayom Laili Imo. What about the third thing about the two days? Again, this is Tosla Shita, because Tosla has this problem. How can we say that Moshe did it on his own? Moshe had beautiful drushes. So Tosla Shita wants to show that really these drushes were weak and had Moshe's thoughts. Moshe had to have his opinion about it in order for these to work. Why is this not a complete drusha? Because today sounds like today. He, on his own, he said it like today, which is a, um, a day like today, like yesterday. So he's saying that uh, Tosos is none of these. All, all of them had to have Moshe's input, and uh, therefore. Um, uh, I, I hear them all except for the first shot of the first Tosos. Uh-huh. Okay. I, what do you mean? When was the other? When was the next time that Hashem spoke to all of Israel? There was no other time that Hashem spoke to all of Klai Israel. There was one and only time. And for that one time that Hashem spoke to Klai Israel, he said, separate Hashem from said, separate. Right. So, if Hashem, so if when Hashem is speaking, there's separation, surely when Hashem is going to be speaking to me, I have to be separate. So, so I, I, I don't understand his right. first answer. Right, so the way I understood it was Pam Echad means like that, that this was a one-time thing for Klai Israel. Maybe the speaking to him was not the same thing. So I'm saying if Hashem would speak to us right now, we can be in a state of Tumah? No, but it, the thing is, did Hashem really expect Moshe Rabbeinu never to try to do the mitzvah of having more children? In other words, the, to, it could be, it's, it's different never to be with a wife. Like, that's pretty extreme, to never, never have any more children, never to be with his wife anymore. That was, that was uh, uh, pretty, uh, pretty extreme. So is there an Indian that during the Shloshi Shemei Hagbala nowadays that somebody should also separate from his wife because it's like moed? And we're getting to that season. <laughs> so that means no, nine, saying, months, nine months down the road, you wouldn't have any No, that was not that. I'm saying during the Shoshis May Agbala, are we supposed to? Yeah, you should you do that. See yeah. Check, check um, anybody has birthdays. Yeah. Nine yeah. months down the road. Right. Let's take a look at the third tosis uh, uh, quickly, just to give us this. On the same study, maybe this will help. So, Dixiv Amr Lehamim Tomar, Manolin Shapirish Midaito. How do you know? That it was on his own. Everybody else said, "Go home." Moshe Rabbeinu never was told to go home. 
It's almost like you're on guard duty. Everyone else said, okay, you know, you could relax. But Moshe Rabbeinu never got the command to go home. So what does it mean that, it, um, why are we saying that he made up that he had to stay there? Yeshlamar, he loved the Pirshmidaito, Lama Kasale Arunu Miriam. He said, why did his brother and his sister get so angry with him if it wasn't on his own? When they heard Hashem say, um, they uh, made a Kavachomer to themselves. It must be Moshe Rabbeinu made himself a separate tent. Oh, no, Siloget. Or he gave Sipor a get. That's why they got so angry with him. It's not just that he stayed up there with Hashem. But he went on his own and said, forget it, we're never going to be husband and wife again. He, he said, I, I need a new bedroom. And he made his own tent. Um, but then, why did they get angry much later? They should have, got, they should have had this fight at Harsinai. The day after Shavuos, they should have had to fight with him if he made a separate bedroom. You know, but what does it uh, mean, Poa Why was this happen later? Maybe that's only when they found out. Like When Moshe was told, take 70 elders, Omer Miriam, Ashra, oh, I'm so happy for their wives that their husbands were chosen. Omer Sipor, Sipor says, I'm not so happy for those wives. From the day the Shkina started talking to your brother, he's no longer with me. So then why were they angry with them if they got Hashem's if Hashem, told Mo, if Hashem was okay with it, and Hashem went along with Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem is, uh, will tell us when, when somebody does something wrong, Hashem speaks up. So if Moshe Rabbeinu really did the wrong thing by separating from his wife, why do they need to say, give Musr and say it's the wrong thing? Don't you think Hashem would have said something if there was a problem? He did. He says that it's because Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to do this, therefore he did it. But had Moshe Rabbeinu uh, taken the stance that he really wanted to be together with Sipora, Hashem would have gone along with it. So that's why they were angry with him. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I'm just reading the Tosas, fascinating Tosas. Miriam got the so... But that he's, we're trying to explain why she got angry. Right, so why did she even get angry if Hashem went along with it? Because she thought Moshe could have convinced Hashem to let her let her do it. That's what she thought. No, hold it a second. That how in the, if there's something yeah. wrong right. with what he's doing, but then you got a syrup. Because Hashem says, Behold Basi Nemon who? If he's behold Basi Nemon, he did absolutely nothing wrong. Um it could be that Wrong isn't the right word. It could be he had the option of, of finding another way sometimes to be with Zipporah. That, that's what Miriam and Aaron thought. Hashem, don't talk to me for the next 24 hours. Let me know when I'm off duty, right. In other words, maybe, uh, you know, he could have asked Hashem, is there a certain time maybe where, where I know I'm off duty, you don't need to speak to me because I feel bad for my Zipporah. Uh, it was advance notice by my Varsina. Right. Well, just like Aaron and Miriam, uh, sometimes they, they knew that they weren't on constant. They didn't. They didn't quite realize that he was on constant call, but they they thought maybe there would be. If Moshe had wanted to, he could have found the solution. That was their thought. 
Uh, whatever, it's a fascinating discussion. Anyways, uh, it's hard for us to get involved in that. I'm not, we're not taking an opinion between Moshe Aaron and Miriam. No, I, I, just, I, just, I, I, I don't want to have a tie on yeah. Moshe Rabbeinu. You know what I'm saying? I don't right. want to come away with a tie Right, right, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> moving along. Back to the Gemara. It didn't go well the first time. That's right. Yeah, no, we got to be careful there. Uh, siblings, say, uh, they're, it's interesting. Siblings, it's easier for them to have complaints against each other. They forgive each other, but they, you know, it's easier for them to uh, uh, to argue with them. Okay, uh, Tanya, we're right in the middle of the page. Um, Reb Nussan Omer, uh, uh, it's right in the middle of the page. So, so we explain the three things that Moshe did on his own. Reb Nussan Omer, getting back to this question of being fruitful and multiplying, is it two boys or a boy and a girl? Uh, I thought we did that. Yeah, we oh. did that. Yeah. Tanya, He says, no, two boys and two girls is the minimum. Hilo said, one boy and one girl. Where did he get that from? With each, the original two boys were born with two girls. The original Hevel and his sister, and that's how they had children. So well, Kai well, Vakos gets in. Right. So, but there was a minimum of one boy and one girl each. So you see that the original creation was meant to be four, two boys and two girls. When she said Hashem gave me other children, she was just giving thanks. She wasn't telling us that you're required to have four more children. Tiny Edek, we learned over there, Nasan Omer Visham Ram is Zach on the cave or a boy. And a girl, Beis Hillel says, O Zach or on the cave, or a boy or a girl. That's, a, that's a, another opinion. In other words, we said Beis Hillel until now means one of each. Now he's saying one or the other. But it's got to be at least a boy or a girl. Can't be less than that, okay. Omer Rabba, my time here, Nasan. What's the leave the Beis Hillel Shemar? Lo Tio Bar Lashavas Yitzara. The Pasuk says, Hashem didn't create the world. Uh, to be empty. Leshevitz Yitzara, he meant the world to be inhabited. As long as you have one kid, Ha'avileshevitz, that's an inhabitant. Itmar, we learn, if a person had children when they were non Jewish, and they converted, Rabbi Yochanan says, they're done. Reish Lakish says, they aren't fruitful mother. Rabbi Yochanan, he had kids. She had kids. He did populate. He did populate. He says, Why? They're a new person. And as they're a new person they are today, they didn't have kids. And this argument is, is consistent with what they say. If somebody had children as a non-Jew and they converted to Yochanan, it says, Even though it's a firstborn, it's not considered a firstborn. The high... The, the, um, well, when they, when they, has, when they, uh, when now that they're Jewish, if they have a firstborn, the new firstborn is not the firstborn, because the firstborn is the parent's first child, and this isn't their first child. It's not Rashi's Ono, their first strength. So the child that they had until now as a goy counted as their first strength. So we see the same argument. When they're new, how new are they? both cases. If we only had in the first case, non-Jews also have a mitzvah to be fruitful and multiply. So maybe it counts for them the children they had before they converted. But as far as inheritance goes, 
this idea of the oldest and inheritance, that's a Jewish concept. It's not a non-Jewish concept. So maybe he would agree to Reish Lakish that, that it doesn't count as a firstborn what he had earlier. <coughs> if he only said it, oh, here, how come a Reish Lakish? Here, Reish Lakish argued. But when it comes to just a question of having had children, there's two questions. One is, do the children of non-Jews count as children? And even if you want to say they do, does the firstborn as a non-Jew count as the firstborn? Maybe the whole idea of firstborn, that's a, a Jewish concept of nachla. Maybe that, maybe that doesn't apply. So therefore, we need it in both cases. So let's, let's let them fight it out, whether or not the, the non-Jewish children count as children. Bladen ben Bladen, what a name. Melek Bavel. This is the king of Bladen, the son of Bladen. So you see that non-Jews have kids too. Yeah. Yeah, when they're non-Jewish, those are kids to non-Jews. In other words, non-Jews have a mitzvah to procreate, and they procreated as non-Jews. But now that they're new, nizgayu les luchias. They're not related to those kids. They now need to have Jewish kids. Everybody admits that if a person had slave children, those are not related to him. It says over there that you should stay here with the donkey. The people are no different than a donkey. They don't act different than animals. And they, they, therefore, they're not as connected. It's not a real concept of family by the servants. What's the question? You're telling me that servants don't really have family? See, it's, I mean, to us, we, you know, even mice have family. You know, like the, all the animals have family. You know, that we're used to just picturing. So it's hard to imagine that there's people that don't have family. But the way the society worked, they didn't really have total rights over who their wife was, who their kids were. It wasn't considered like the, 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 it wasn't part of the family. They didn't have choices to marry or not to marry. It says like this, Ulitziva Chamisha Asr Badim. Siva was a servant, and he had 15 kids, the Esrim Avadim, and 20 servants. So he was um, one of the administrators of the house of Shaul HaMelech. So, uh, but you see that even a servant has kids. Yeah, it means like the kid of a cow. It doesn't mean it was a real kid. Um so here also, why did we say earlier that non-Jewish kids count as kids? The question is, we had one question. If uh, We're saying that non-Jewish kids count as kids for their being non-Jewish, but not necessarily when they convert and for their Jewish self. But servants' kids, we're saying everybody agrees don't count. But what's the difference? Um, um, we said that over here by the servants, yes, it just means like this, the, the cow, the son of a cow. Here also, maybe uh, non-Jewish kids also don't count. The Gemara says, Shani Hosnam the Yaksu Bishmei, Davuan. But it tells us their name and the name of their parents. That implies that they carry on a certain... Uh, Non-Jews also have a family inheritance that they carry on. Bahacha, but by the servants, doesn't even tell us their name or... Uh, they are mentioned in a different place, as it says, Bavuan uva Abba Davuan, their dad and their grandparents, Dixibi, Shalka Malak Asa, El Benadad, Ben Trivan, Ben Kazon, Malak Aram, Hayoshibid Damasik that was in Damascus. So you see that non Jews also have a certain they also have families. Servants, all bets are off, but the, the non Jews do have families. Itmar Hailo Banu Mesa, what happens if a person has kids and they die? Revuna Omakim Pirivya. He said, Well, they had him already. Rev Yochanan said, Lokiyam. No, he's not done. 
Rav Huna Omar Kiyam Mishum de Ravasi. He, he taught the Ravasi. No, Ravasi ain't. The question here is if the kids died, so you, uh, how does it help that the kids are no longer in the world? So it helps for the following. It says that Ain Ben David Ba, Mashiach will only come until every soul that is meant to be born will be born. So even if they die, there's a purpose that every soul has to come down to this world that needs to come down. So uh, that much they did. So there is a, a, a something that they did. Rabbi Yochanan says, it's true that they, even if a child died, they did something. They brought a soul down to this world. But that's not being fruitful and multiplied. You need that the world be inhabited. And now that the child died, the world's not inhabited. It's not there. As we turn the page, it says grandkids are kids. So you see, uh, you see over here that um, even if a person dies, it doesn't matter as long as he's got grandkids. Um, uh, you see that um, as long as the nifter had children. As long as the nifter had children. Mm-hmm. So Lumora says, Over there we mean if a person only had a boy and not a girl, he can count the grandkids as kids for both types. Rashi Kitani the old man only had one son, and the son got married, and now he had a daughter, because now he's left in this world one of each type. Uh, now, if he originally had a boy and girl, uh, even if they died without kids, maybe Kirim Pirivia. Maybe he did do Pirivia. This this isn't dealing with the issue of of uh, being required to um, uh, to have a boy and a girl. It's it's just saying that he he um, he if they died, maybe a person isn't done. This is talking about that he at least had one of each type. That's what he wants to say. Um, so uh, let's read it again. If one of them dies, or one of the kids proves to be sterile, so it's not enough to leave kids. You have to leave kids that could leave kids. That's the argument. Now, when the kids, so we're saying that even if a person's kids, it shouldn't happen, pass away, but if the kids had kids, then you're okay. So it has to be, though, that your son leaves over a son and your daughter leaves over a daughter. And certainly if your daughter leaves over a son. But what if your son only has girls? So does that mean that you have to get married to make sure you leave over boys? So, you know, you have to inhabit the world and you inhabited the world. We're not that picky that uh, if, like, a person's all his grandchildren are girls. <laughs> We're not going to hold it against it. Is that what they're arguing about? Is the reason for Puru? Is is it a mitzvah to? Um, yes, correct. That's exactly. What That's exactly. Yeah. But the kuli tre michadlo. But you can't have two from one. Aye, you can't have two from one. But aye, but Omer le Rabban the Rosheshes nasef itzisav olid bini. What happened was Rosheshes was older, and uh, they he was he hadn't remarried, so they said to him. You should get married, and because you don't have a son, all you have is daughters. Amelu, he said to them, "Bnei Barti, Bnei Ninu." He said, "My grandsons from my daughters, they're my sons." 
So you see that a grandson, you can do this mitzvah of having one of each type if it's a grandkid. But you see that he didn't remarry, so he was staying alone. That's another. Yeah, right. so the Morris said, Hasam diku kamatkulet. Really? That's the marriage community. Yeah. Really, there was something else going on over here. Rishashis was just making excuses. The Rishashis, okay, Rishashis was sterile, and he couldn't have any more kids. Now, how do we know he was sterile? So they, um, basically what happened was the students had a lot of respect for the Rebbe, and they were so in love with the Torah that they wouldn't go out to the restroom during the lecture. So they, there's a rule that a person isn't supposed to hold themselves in. They could affect their, uh, their organs if they don't go to the bathroom when they need to. So he became sterile from the class of Rav Huna. Uh, Rav Huna used to give class all day long, Rashi. We think our drushes go a long time. He went long in the class. And he needed to urinate. And they held it in. They made themselves sterile. So uh, therefore, that's why he didn't remarry, because he, couldn't, he wouldn't have had more kids. How did the rabbis know the grandchildren are like children? Maybe it's from Lava and Lava and said, Though daughters are my daughters, and the sons. Now, uh, what sons? He meant the grandsons. Your grandsons are mine. So you see that Lava and said, Your grandsons count for me. But he also said, He said, Your sheep are my sheep. Does he mean that they're not yours, they're mine? He, so he didn't really mean to say they're mine, they're not mine. What does he mean? He meant they came from me. Your kids came from me. He didn't mean they were mine. So it's not a proof that they're like yours. How do we know that your grandkids are considered yours to fulfill the mitzvah of Peruvu? says like this, He had It says that his descendants were lawgivers. Now, his his children uh, were not from Yehuda. Yehuda was the daughters married into Yehuda. So you see that the fact that his grandkids were uh, lawgivers meant that they counted for him even though they were through the mother. The Morris says, our, our Mishnah that implies that uh, once you have kids, you're done, doesn't sound like Rabbi Shua. The Tadi Yeshua said, no, Adamisha even though a person, when they were young, got married. He should still remarry Bizik Nusa. He should marry again when they're old. It's not like one and done. A person should always try to have a wife. If they had kids when they were young, you should try to have kids when you're old. You're never done. The farmers all know this. It says in the morning, plant your seed, and in the evening, don't sit there and do nothing. Meaning, there it refers to the different seasons. Because a farmer has to plant both seasons because he doesn't know, you never know which one will be successful with. So the same thing true with having kids. A person doesn't know which is the old age, the young age. Um, or maybe they'll both be good. You don't know. So, But a person has to try it. Rabbi Kiva said a similar analogy. Even though you taught Torah when you were young, you should teach Torah when you're old. Let's say you had students when you were young. You've been there, done that. You should still, still teach when you're old. You don't get vacation here, Rabbi Cohen. Uh, it, it says in the morning you, you plant your seed. In the morning brings this story, which is uh, this time of year. Unbelievable. 
Yeah, that's right. There were 12,000 pairs of students, which is also interesting the way it says it. But he had a very large night. He spent a long time having 24,000 students. <laughs> that's quite a, quite a feat to somehow personally teach 24,000 students. Hayula Rivikiva. And maybe if they were in one place, anybody, it's, you could do that. But they actually weren't in one, one place. Migvas ad Antipras. They were spread out, were his students. Vekula mesa perachachad, and they all died in one shot, very quickly. Uh, because it says their custom wasn't to show each other respect. It's actually very interesting, the word. Everybody said they didn't respect each other. That's not what it says. It says they didn't have a custom to show respect. It was like it wasn't, uh, there are certain formalities. And it was to each other. Vahaya olam shamein. And the world was desolate. There were no Ad Shabo and he went to the south. and he started all over again in his old age, past eighty, started over again teaching Torah. Who were the and then you think he had another twenty four thousand? He only had five. Rameru, Yehuda, Yosi, Shimon, for Lozaben Shemua. All the Torah that we have today came from those five students. If he had thought he was done after twenty four thousand, um, most of the um, uh, the Holocaust survivors, many of them lost their wives and their families, and they did it, started over again. Uh, the two people who founded the yeshiva in Cleveland, where I, I learned in Tulsa, they lost their wives and all their, their family. One lost 10 kids, one lost eight kids, you know, everything. And they remarried in their old age. They started over again. They rebuilt the yeshiva. They rebuilt their families. That's uh, they, they started again. And those five students brought the Torah in that time. Tanu, we learned. What was the short time uh, that they died? That was between Pesach and Atzeres. That's the time that we're in right now, between Pesach and Shavuos. And they say, why now? Because since now is the time of the getting ready to receive the Torah, and these students were meant to be the conduit for the Torah, they, because there was a, specifically at this time, it was important that they have the right meters. They, their death was not a pleasant death. There, there's better ways to die, apparently. They didn't have a good death. What was the Misara? Rav Nachman, Askara the Grouch. It was Askara. I'm in a mood today. That's right. The, uh, Askara is apparently was a very bad, uh, um, it was like a, yeah, it was, it was a difficult, uh, yeah, that's right. Um, but it was the Askara. Askara is considered a, not a pleasant uh, uh, way to go. Um, yeah. Amrev Masna, Halaka Rivishua. We hold like Rivishua. Um that uh what did Rivishua that um uh, Rivishua just taught that uh, even though we said earlier Beishamai two kids and done, he said that no, that a person uh if they're able to, they should try to have more kids when they're older. Uh and he also said, even though a person had a wife when they're young, a wife when they're older is not the same. He says, No, you should try to have a wife when you're older. He says, anybody who doesn't have a wife, shari below simcha, is stuck without joy, below bracha, without blessing, below tova, without goodness. How does he know that? Below simcha, this is shevi bracha torah. You and your house, below bracha, below tova, below tova, it's not good to be alone. This is, it seems like it's only referring to the, husband, to the, to the man. 
mm-hmm. to, for remarrying. Correct. So you're, Michael's asking a good thing. What does a woman need to go remarry? In other words, we, we seem to be telling the man. Now, it could be that it's, it's because it's the man who has the choice, not the nature of a woman to go and grab a man. Well, um, and they're saying, no lady wants to be alone either. The Argamar is like that also. That's why she's willing to stay in a bad marriage. Right, right. But it, it doesn't seem to be emphasizing to right. her that she is right. emphasizing right. to a man. She doesn't that, want to do more. That's right. <laughs> Nowadays they do. Uh-huh. I'm Rebelo Torah. So he added another thing. Not only doesn't he have all the blessings that come with married life, he doesn't even have Torah. How do you know? Below Choma. Or he doesn't have a wall. Below Torah to see him ain Ezra Bitoshia need to be menu. Below Choma to see the Kavitis that a woman goes around the man. This, by the way, is at the at the kasana where the woman goes around. It's like mm. she makes a wall around the man. She uh, this idea that men can tend to stray. Um, that's their nature is that they are curious and they're looking around and they get involved in things. And a woman helps make a wall, helps protect him from from outside going distractions. outside distractions. Uh, that's what that, so those seven circles. That's what that's, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah, that's the that's what many people say. That's like a wall, wow. and um, in Jericho, that's the whole idea. They went around the wall seven times, Ooh. you know, and then the wall fell down. That was to knock them down. So yeah. it could be. Some people say that there's there's uh, right now before marriage, they're strangers, and when strangers, you put up walls, and now they're about to be married, they're removing the wall. <laughs> Between oh, that's them, another, that's <laughs> another way to look at it. That's right. That's the opposite. That's the opposite. Yeah, Rabbi Ula Amar below Shalom without peace to see that she shalom olacha. It says upon a nook below ten you won't sin. Amar Yeshua ben Levi. This pasuk that we quoted uh, that you will know there's peace in your tent. We prove that uh, having a wife brings a certain peace in the tent. But from those words, now the Gemara is going to darshan. Is going to explain. It says over there, upaktaka, that you should pay attention to the peace in your tent. Pokhan means like to, um, um, uh, like uh, to um, uh, remember their position or 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 pay attention to. So what what exactly is that talking about? How does a person be poked their wife? So Yeshua ben Levi called them b'day b'shtashir shemayim. He says if a person knows their wife fears Hashem. And he doesn't pay attention to her. He's called, the man is called a sinner. Um, what they say here is that what does it have to do with Yerushalayim? That um, women uh, they want attention, and sometimes they want physical attention. But if they have Yerushalayim, they're afraid that it's not modest to ask for it. And so the husband has to be sensitive to. Uh, that's what they say is that to give the wife that attention. Uh, he, 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 it's his mistake if he doesn't. Body language. Yeah, Rashi Enu means that he has to pay attention to her and give her her uh, the attention that she would need. Um, and uh, besides whatever regular attention a person pays to to his wife when he's traveling and going to be away for a while, he has to make sure. Uh, specifically, then he has a mitzvah to make sure the wife is uh, uh, he shows her affection. Gemara says, you learn from here, don't you learn from there. The idea that a woman um, is, uh, uh, when the husband leaves, the woman feels a certain pang, more so than the man feels. 
that's part of the the curse that a woman got is that she uh, has a longing for a man, a certain loneliness that, uh, especially when he leaves, and that's why he is a special mitzvah to pay attention to her. That he says that pasuk is talking about normally uh, at the time when the woman is about to start menstruation. That's the time that it's better to avoid being together because uh, it doesn't always come exactly at the same time. And but if he happens to be that he's traveling out of town, even some klavest, he should uh, try to. Uh, uh, even though normally he has a mitzvah to avoid um, getting too close to the vest, but over here he should try to be with the wife. And how long is that usually? Amarava ona. It's like a twelve-hour period. That's only that he's required if he's just going for traveling away business. But if he's involved in Dvar Mitzvah, then Mitrid, then he's not required necessarily. Um, it could be that when one is with one's wife, one's required to, it's not just the night, it means the whole night together. They got to go on a date. They got to make time for each other and uh, the whole atmosphere. And so maybe if he's going to do a mitzvah, he won't have so much time uh, to do that. Um, the Tan uh, our rabbis learned, a person who loves their wife like themselves, the mikavdo, and he shows them honor more than their goof. They, they say this means like to, to spend more than them than they would spend on themselves. And raises their children in the proper way, and marries them off uh, before they get into trouble. Uh, that was my own translation. Then you'll have peace in your tent. Um, you should love your neighbors, but and be nice to your relatives. Um, it's, it's interesting. There's, there is a, relatives are not always easy. Some people, their relatives really bother them, but there's a mitzvah to be to keep your relatives near. And somebody that marries their niece. Um, over here, it, the assumption here is that if the niece couldn't find a good shidduch, that it'd be nice if the uncle would, would take her uh, um, they also what they uh, there's a rush here. Why should you marry your niece? He says that a person is naturally very close with his sister, more so than his brothers. And he's going to be very loving to his sister's the wife from his sister. Person is naturally affectionate towards his sister. And his, if he marries his sister's daughter, that'll be an unusually close relationship. That's what he, he should try to have a wife that he's unusually close with. And then if he loans a person when they really need it, that's where the Pusik says, when he called to Shia, if you do what you're supposed to, then Hashem will be at your beck and call. Then when you call him, he will be ready. Um, so there is a tosus here, but we're running out of time. Um, okay, have a great day, everybody. So I'm going to be out of town, Mitzvah. I'm, I'm leaving in about an hour, and um, uh, but I'll be back uh, Tuesday night uh, for the dafs, maybe for the seven, but for sure, Mitzvah for the nine, Mitzvah. Um, and uh, but I'll be doing the uh, the Zoom and the uh, the, uh, um, the podcast. Hopefully, have a great day, everyone. Be